What's up, soccer players? On this episode of the Soccer Fitness Experience, we have Josel Mateo. Um, he is the owner of Crank Sports Performance, as well as a fitness and strength and conditioning coach for New Jersey Teamsters. Um, has tons of experience, and we're lucky enough to have him on the show. So hope you guys enjoy. Let's start out very, very basic. Will a six-pack help me as a soccer player? Logically. Why pre-game meals are important. If you do strength training, you can generate more force on the ground. It will take you less stride to get to that ball. Until you get there, you can make that up with hard work and dedication and training. On top of it, right? So if you're a player that has little to no training history, imagine the, the gains and speed that you can get in such a short period of time because you're doing things. This is why strength training is important. I don't care how you do your strength training. I don't you know some people like to go to the gym. I just wanted to double down on that really quick. The point is you have to get stronger. Hello, soccer players. Welcome to the latest episode of the Soccer Fitness Experience. It is me, your co-host, Andy, with my main man, Berg. Berg, how you doing today, bro? Bro, I, I swear, I feel like I, I somehow put mono, man. I've been sleeping all day. Really? All day, bro. I just woke up. I woke up at 11, I ate, and then after the Liverpool game, I've been sleeping. I just, I woke up like an hour ago to watch the, the, the Kansas City game, and then I'm here. Like, I'm like, bro. dropping. How about the you? Liverpool, you dude, the Liverpool game ended like four hours ago, bro. Like, what you doing, man? Sleeping. All right. All right. Sleeping, Living bro. life. You know, <laughs> saving you up for the week. Doing good, man. Same as usual. Working, leaving, working, breathing, living, doing it all. Um, doesn't sound like, like you're um, you having a good weekend. <laughs> it's good for something. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've been doing a lot of Zoom classes, uh, online lectures, things that are not, that are not exciting. People uh, don't want to hear about, but. Um, anyway, today is not about you and me. It is about our guest, Jose Mateo. Um, Jose, welcome to the show. And how are you doing today, man? Thanks, bro. I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, so you are, you do a lot of things. You do a lot of things. You're a business <laughs> too owner. Too many things. <laughs> too many. <laughs> um, business owner, uh, soccer coach, fitness coach, thanks, strength and conditioning um tell us about your journey how you got involved in all that and what you're doing today uh okay let's start with soccer because that's uh, where most of this came from uh started like everybody else tried a bunch of sports i guess i don't know filipinos don't play soccer so this this kind of ended out weird um i think i was just i think i just grew earlier than some guys or some some kids and i matured earlier so i was naturally just bigger and faster so I was able to kind of sneak my way into travel soccer, I guess. And then uh, from there, tried out for club teams, played club my whole life. Uh, ended up playing Division Three. Uh, kept getting injured. And then that's where I had to make a big decision. Of, uh, obviously, we all have to make a decision in college, like what do we want to do with our lives? Do we want to keep pursuing sport or do we want to uh, get into a new career? So for me, uh, after getting – I had a big injury my senior year of high school. I tore a couple of ligaments in my ankle just from like rolling it and taping it and playing it and rolling it and playing it. Like at that age, you know, you're just like, ah, fuck yeah. Senior year. You know, can I curse? You can. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, so I got, I got into the, the groove of it. Um, yeah. It's senior year. You know, you want to play your last year with your boys. Uh, you're going off to college. So uh, you ended off with a bang and I ended up uh, having to get surgery um, right after I committed to play uh, at a school. So uh, that was kind of like, okay, uh, I'm still going to play, but what do I want to do in school? So 
Uh, I wanted to be like Andy and be a physical therapist just because I, I enjoyed the process of, uh, I mean, I didn't enjoy the process of rehab, but I, I, I would like to help people uh, go through that too, like uh, improve themselves after facing something as hard as an injury where a sport is really a big part of their life. I'm sure Andy, uh, you can relate to that. Maybe. Yeah. I actually, when I was in high school and all through college, um, never got injured. <laughs> My first rehab process was when I was in PT school. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Most PTs, they, they get into it because like they have an injury themselves and they're like, Oh, I really like this, mm -hmm. but nah, I kind of just mm -hmm. snuck my way in somehow. So, um, yeah. So getting into school, like I said, uh, I played for a couple of years at, at the division three level. I played MPSL all summer and I kept getting hurt. And, uh, for PT school, you need, you know, your hundred hours for of work or, or paid hours or whatever it is. So it came that I needed to do that if I wanted to apply in the fall of my senior year. So it was like, am I going to play or am I going to do PT hours? So I obviously I chose the PT hours. Um, and then at that time, I got the opportunity to intern at Crank, the gym uh, that I started at. And I was doing both uh, my senior year of school. And I was trying to like weigh the factors of like, which one do I really want to do? Um, and it turned out I like lifting weights more than being a PT. So <laughs> it went that way. So you think weights are more fun than TheraBands? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then from there, I, it's kind of a blur, honestly. It's, it's been like a lot of, like you said before, I'm doing a lot of things, but uh, I wanted to see what I liked the most. And I really fell into my groove now uh, with my own facility and working with Teamsters with Andy and uh, being able to merge soccer with strength and conditioning or showing soccer players uh, more light and strength conditioning, I guess, is my goal right now. Andy mentioned before um, that you focus a lot on the mental side of the game. Um, mm -hmm. That due to all your injuries um, before, because that's typically a pattern when, when players get injured a lot, then later on they tend to focus more on the mental aspect of the game. Is that Does that stem from all your injury and how you had to overcome those injuries, or is it something else? I like this question because not a lot of people uh, ask me about this, but yeah, for sure. For sure. The injury, uh, the number one thing I, I'm going to start with is identity, right? When you get hurt uh, and your whole identity is Joe Zell, the soccer player, you know, it's, it's in your Instagram bio. All your friends know you're like, yo, you playing this weekend? Yo, you training this weekend? That's who you are. That's, that's all you know. As soon as you're sitting in bed and all your friends are training when you have a cast on your leg, who are you? You know, that, that's why it hit me so hard. You, you don't know what to do. I didn't, I didn't know what I was like in high school. All you care about is a couple things and soccer is, you know, is, is a big part of your life. So, um, I didn't, I didn't want any other kids to really feel that. And number two, I didn't really have anyone to talk to when I was going through that. So if I can be the outlet for kids to have now and they could, they have someone to just pick them up a little bit, I, I would love to do that for them. Um, and then I think the second part of this is, uh, if you compete at a high level, or if you're training in a, in a high level environment, you understand uh, the level of excellence and standards. I think if you take uh, your training habits in sport and your competitive habits in sport and apply them to life, that, that lasts forever. You're not gonna be an athlete forever. So again, that's another thing I wanna give to youth athletes. You're not gonna be an athlete forever. Yeah, you're not. You're not gonna train with me forever, so I might as well give you some tools that are life. You know what that reminds me of? <laughs> It's like when I was a kid and I used to watch cartoons and my mom said, you know, you're not going to watch cartoons forever. And I, 
stupid. It's like, what the hell is she talking about? I'm not <laughs> well, guess what? I don't particularly like watching cartoons anymore. You have to transition at some point. And that's, that's tough. I had a friend who experienced the same, same thing. Uh, he, he was, um, he was working hard trying to get, he, he, go, he was called out to Portugal to do tryout for um, one of the second division team. And I guess he, he, he trained three years for this, battling from injury to injury. And then he finally got better, got himself to a point where he could actually go to Portugal for like two weeks, back-to-back training to make the team. And he didn't make it. And uh, he, he had to struggle for a while before he could find something else. But good thing is, once he found that thing, though, he was able to use all of that, um, I guess, that work ethic and, and pour everything in into that new thing. And now he's doing well. But yeah. that transition period is not good. It's not great for, for anyone. Yeah, I think it really comes down to the perspective change that you need to have. Like, you need to have the awareness to see, like, the reality or the big picture of, like, okay, I'm still alive. I still have family and friends. You know, it's not the end of the world. I can still do things to to get me better or to get me back to where I want to be so I think that's that's like another big thing like most things aren't that bad you have to really see things for what they are take a breath like it's okay to uh feel the emotion that's natural but then after that it's like okay back to work right that that's that's the mentality from training if you make a mistake if you may if you miss a tackle or you get beat 1v1 you can't just shut down for the session you're done you're cut you're on the bench so it's the same thing in life Ooh, I like that one. I like that. Yo, it's, y'all listening is. out here, you write that down. Life that's going to end up in some book one day. Life, life life's going to hit you harder. It's going to bench you harder, bro. It it's going to cut you harder. Yeah, man. It doesn't care that you hurt your legs. Somebody died. You got COVID. Somebody died. It doesn't care. It still goes on, mm-hmm. which sucks. But it sucks for everybody. Of, it's part of adulthood. Man. Mm-hmm. So I was I was going through your own podcast, Let's Talk More Work, going back, mm-hmm. looking at the last few episodes you did. And I, I saw that you read this book. I was not surprised at all. Um, extreme <laughs> Ownership. Yeah. Um, for, for the listeners out there. Uh, who is it by? I forget. But, uh, Jock, Jocko Willink. Oh, <laughs> I read that. <laughs> hey, I, I read feel that. like the odd man out. It's been on my to-do list and I haven't done it Gotta yet. Gotta get on it. <laughs> But anyway, um, Berg, since you read it, you want to give the, a quick synopsis, like what is it about? And then Hosel, like what did you learn from it and how are you implementing it? Well, I, I read that book like three to four months ago. It's about discipline and trying to um, get out from the slump and then keep going and do um, what you needed to do. It's, it's a book about overcoming laziness and um, doing whatever you can to, I guess, succeed. And uh, Jocko is, he, he goes, he's straight to the point. Let me tell you just, how, this is how the book is. Just, just from that one example, you will know. Jocko said, you wake up this morning and you need to work out, but you're tired, your leg hurts. Guess what? You do it anyway. <laughs> this is Jocko, the whole book. <laughs> the whole book, extreme ownership. You got to, everything. Everything you need to do, whatever it is, you have to assume responsibility because who else gonna who else gonna help you? So Jose, like, what what you learn from that book, that experience? Because it's about like Navy SEALs too, and like yeah, how yeah. they train and everything. Yeah. yeah so yeah. what you learn from it? 
Um, I would say the same thing uh, that Berg just mentioned, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. I, I definitely believe in that uh, principle and the way that I, I lead my teams. Um, I think as leaders, you know, people are always watching you. Uh, there's, there's always some, like all, all your actions are, are being uh, like accounted for, whether it's the people higher up or it's the people you're leading or it's the people at your level, everyone's watching you. So I think it's really important that uh, you don't, obviously there's responsibility and there, there's standards that you need to uphold, but um, everybody has, I guess, their own scale of, oh, I can let this slide or, oh, no, I'm on point today. Oh, this happened. Now I'm still on point. Oh, the, the, everything's going bad. Now I'm still on point. Like, I, I think that's the one thing that I try to carry with me that uh, true leaders are going to take responsibility for success and mistakes. I, I think that's a big thing. Instead of pointing the finger, they say, no, 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 it's my fault. I didn't give you enough information that that's on me. I think that's important that uh, people, I guess, in the lower tier, whoever you're leading can see that, oh, my, my leader is, is admitting to mistake that I respect that. I, I think if somebody did that to me, I would respect it. So that's the way I like to uh, try and lead my team. Yeah, they say he, he was all about perspective in the, in, in, in the book. And it's just, um, you can either blame somebody else for something that happened or you can blame yourself. And the sooner you blame yourself, the more you can come up with things to fix it. But if you're mm-hmm. blaming on somebody else, well, guess what? You can't fix somebody else. So you're just going to mm-hmm. be, I guess, complaining all the time. But if you blame yourself, then you have an opportunity to change. Mm-hmm. Solves a problem. So I'm curious. Um, let's say you're in a scenario and uh, when, whenever there's a problem, right? There's, there's two people at some degree of fault. Um, let's say you end up in a scenario where it's 90% somebody else's fault, 10% your fault. What, what this book is saying is to take ownership of that 10% and say, hey, it's all on me or... Mm-hmm. interesting yeah. interesting not okay. all on you like I, I think it's important to to make the distinction like there's responsibility on both sides like any relationship it's it's not give 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 it has to be give and take from both sides it has to be even but i think in the like uh i guess leadership hierarchy i don't know what, what else to call it that that leaders obviously have responsibility because that's their title you know if if you're just sitting there blaming the finger like you see you see those memes or like the 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 pictures of like the boss is pointing his finger and all the people are like picking up the weight and then the leaders in the front, like helping everybody push. I think that's what the, the book is really telling me. And, and that comes with, you know, owning up to mistake. I think I, I did this today. Uh, one of my coaches, like he was supposed to do something for me and I got mad. I'm like, why am I mad at this? But then I, I dialed it back. I'm like, oh, I didn't tell him. I didn't tell him to do this. It was my fault. But in reality, like in the moment you're like, Oh, why, why did you do this? Why did you do this? You're smarter than that. But in my head, after that, I'm like, oh, no, I'm smarter than that. That was my fault. So uh, I think I think that's really important that, uh, that I took away from the book. Hmm. Now, going into your podcast, I think the name itself, it, it tells a lot about um, yourself and kind of your vision. Mm-hmm. Less talk, more work. Um, mm-hmm. What were the thoughts behind that name? Uh, I've never been like a really talkative person, contrary to popular belief, but uh especially as a coach, like public speaking is all you do. And, and I have a podcast now, but um, I'm an only child. So I never really was social growing up. I was always like more to myself. And, uh, and that translated on the field too. Like I would talk on the field, but outside I wasn't really like always playing around and making jokes. I was, I was just focused on training. 
Um, and I guess that's where it really started, just working hard and not really being the, the loud mouth, like showing with results instead. And I think uh, that's applicable for anybody. You know, you could talk about all your dreams. You could talk about where you want to be, but in a year down the road, are you going to be there or not? That, that's the result. That's, that's what hits people harder than you telling them what you're going to do. You show them how you're going to do it and then show them how to do it. And then we bring everybody. I think that's, that's kind of the mantra that um, Eric and I, my co-host, you know, really live by is like, you got to stop talking, man. Just be about it. Mic drop, mic drop. It's not something that's easy to do though. Uh, it's something that you constantly have to work on. It's mm-hmm. like a muscle you always have to constantly work on it to build it. You know, I, even with me, just some, you know, let's talk more work ups and downs. Some week I'm strong, some other week I'm not. And you always have to battle it out. It mm-hmm. doesn't stop. Like even after you could spend a year just doing work. And then you spend a few weeks relaxing to go back to it again. It's, it's, it's tough. It's a- I mean, it goes back to the two points you guys just brought up, right? Do you own up to everything that you're in control of? Number one. Number two, are you used to operating at a high standard or, or do you feel the, the competition? Are you going to get cut or what? Are you going to do what you can do or what? Like that, that's really what it is. Yeah. Wow. Yo, this, this got deep. <laughs> this got intense. <laughs> this got intense. So let's, let's talk a little about players who, let's say, aren't at that high level of excellence, whether it be in terms of talent, in terms of worth ethic, um, overall ability, um, and especially to the players out there who are, quote unquote, on the lazier side of things um, or humans in general. Um, for someone who's like lacking in drive, how do you manage them as an athlete, as a, um, as a business owner, um, as a coach? Like, how do you do that? Uh, okay. So whenever I'm coaching somebody new, like say I had Berg come in, right. And we're going to start training uh, before we, we even touch a weight or we do a movement. It's who's Berg, right? Uh, what, what motivates you? What do you like? What have you been through? What has your past experience has been like? What do you want? If I understand that, then I can get a better look on uh, how to build you up, right? If, if you're already at a certain level, then I can be, I can push you a little bit more, but if you need more confidence, then I'm not going to push you at all. I need to build you up. I need to give you a hand first and then let you go and take it your own. But um, that's, that's usually what I, I try to figure out. Like what, what makes you happy? Well, I, if I'm saying I'm this athlete, that's not motivated. It's like, what makes me happy? Um, what's stopping me from making me happy? What can I do to remove those things that don't make me happy and work towards being happy? Uh, one of the most important things I learned in 2020 from one of my uh, mentors was like, every time you're saying yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Mm-hmm. So uh, everybody wants to do more, but like, have you ever thought about doing less? <laughs> ever thought about doing like getting rid of the unnecessary stuff? Like taking, again, it's taking control of what you can control. Wow. Let's stay on that for a bit. Now we, we're talking about lazy players, but they, they, since you, you focus a lot on the mental aspect of performance. I have a, I had this question um, from on Instagram, I think last week, and uh, I think he's a young kid. He asked me, he said, Hey, listen, when I go and I do my training, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm it. I do everything to the T my form look good. But the moment I go on the pitch, it's like, I can't really perform. And he's like, what advice do you have for me now? You know, um, not really a, 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 a mental um, 
mental coach, but since you're here, um, you shed some lights on it for me, please. Um, yeah, I think again, it, it's hard if, you know, it's just an Instagram DM and you don't really know the kid, but say this is a kid on my team or, or a guy that I'm training, I would say, I would just hype him up. Be like, bro, you're working your ass off. Like you're, you're not doing this for no reason. Like you can do this. Like just, just replay those, those successful moments in your head. I think, again, it goes back to the perspective. How are you going to view this? Do you, or do you remember, uh, are you trying to bring that good energy? Like, are you, are you thinking about all the, the good times that you had on the field? Are you thinking about all the successful one V ones you've done? Or are you thinking about, Oh, I'm going to give the ball away. If you, if that's in your head, you have no space for success. You have to, you have to just, uh, it's hard. It's hard to say. It's hard to say, but I, I think I get uh, there, there's a lot to be said for uh, visualization and, and really believing that, okay, I've done all the work now. It's time to perform. Yeah, some of these players, they need to have like a, a fish memory. And they make one mistake and then they just hone in on that mistake. Next thing you know, and they can't play anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's, again, that's why I, I like to study this. That's why I'm taking my master's in sports performance coaching right now, um, just to figure out how to help these kids out. You know, I, I think that's like definitely an overlooked side of sport. Like everybody's uh, looking at the technical, technical, but. Uh, this is something that's, you know, it's, it's always evolving. Like kids are always going to change. Coaches have to adapt. Ooh. Dang, that's, that's incredible information. I'm not going to lie to you, Jose. Before this podcast, I thought if you met um, middle school or high school Andy, you would absolutely like Roast tear him apart. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I would roast myself, bro. <laughs> um, but wow, that, that is very insightful. Your, your skill set is very unique um and you're you're able to adjust it to the the human being in front of you and i think that's very important to do mm-hmm. bro you got anything else for our special guest today no no just human beings are complicated man <laughs> you have to individual individualize workout um individualize i guess how you talk to your players you know everyone's different so you know like it's like individualized plane of care is where it's at and and, and i guess in sports in general because it's like everyone's different i I think we can close out by um like wait wait a second we have one more thing so new facility crank sports performance where is it how do they find it who goes there tell us everything sure um so I've been training um, athletes out of a facility. Uh, this is Crank Ponte. It's located in Ponte Plains, so North New Jersey or Northern New Jersey. And uh, I've been just training athletes out of there, um, paying rent with uh, my boss who became my partner, I guess, because we, we ended up sharing the rent. And uh, I kind of built this program out of nothing. I think I had like two kids, uh, parents of the adults that were working out at the gym. They said, hey, Joe you train athletes? I'm like, I, I do now. Uh, <laughs> And then I learned from there. So uh, I guess fast forward five years later, uh, I've always been looking for, you know, that next step. Uh, as you could tell from this episode, you can see that I'm forward, forward mindset. Um, so I've always been like just looking around on the internet, just seeing like what's around and a vacant spot opened up right across the street from our old facility. So I'm like, okay, this, this is, this is the one. Um, and then we just sent it, bro. I, 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 this past month has been a blur ever since we signed the lease. It's been like coach sessions, go paint the wall, 
go back coach sessions, uh, go like break down a door or something like stuff like that. Um, we train all athletes, I guess, from middle school, high school, college. And then I have a couple of pro guys that are going uh, to combines or a couple of teams, there's players, uh, things like that. Uh, and we focus speed, agility, strength, conditioning, and you get the, the mental side for me and, and all that good stuff. Looks like it's something that's going to grow into something big. I hope so. But that's what we're working for. Got to get KSP2 coming soon. We'll no, see. no, no, no. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can the people find you if they want to hit you up, ask questions, or do anything? Sure. On Instagram, I, it should be Josel Mateo uh, underscore. So J-O-S-E-L-M-A-T-E-O underscore on Instagram. And I think it's the same on Twitter. I'm not really on there. I should be more, but uh, that's where you can find me. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and we will see y'all next week. Thanks for having me guys.